0: augmenters I'm Julie and I'm Jimmy and we believe connected authentic relationships are the key to growing to your potential today we are using the sensational story of Silicon Valley Bank to illustrate how augmenting your mentoring skills can lead to better business outcomes and a less stressful business experience
1: Julie I cannot wait to discuss this story that's dominated all of my social conversations over the past week yet first Here's a brief message about one of our colleagues on the HubSpot Podcast Network.
0: Jimmy, it's been a week. I mean, it's only Monday, but it's been a week.
1: For some people more than others.
0: SVB, man. What was that about?
1: I'm not sure we're the ones to give a full recap here on Augmenters, but we can give our point of view about how the power of connecting better with others and helping that advance you in growing to your potential may have provided different outcomes to this wild situation.
0: Yes, that is all true. But as I'm thinking about outcomes, I'm thinking about wild situations. We have to talk about your hair. What is happening? How did this happen? Did Fiona you do your hair this morning?
1: Did you no, do your hair this morning? No, no, I wish. Let's say this is my attempt at you know, the hockey stick growth that the the new entity covering s asset will want to look forward to.
0: You are the only person I know who creates your hairstyle in a growth curve. So that is hilarious. Were you thinking of that this morning?
1: No, no. I think uh, just, you know, hair clips and Mondays.
0: Things get weird. It's impressive physics. But anyways, we're not here to talk about your hair. We are here to talk about what happened Silicon Valley Bank, lots going on overall.
1: Today, while we are not the people who are gonna go through all the ins and outs, because this is not a business podcast, you are here to listen to the Augmenter's take on how if you truly connect with others and allow those connections to help you grow to your potential, there may have been a way for the leaders of Silicon Valley Bank to find a different outcome. So we're going to look at three points over the last month that we've identified as inflection points that could have significantly changed the outcome of this situation. So first, we're going to talk about what happened in late February when some of the key shareholders removed millions and millions of dollars from the bank. Two, we're going to talk about on Wednesday, March 8th, when the cash crunch occurred. And lastly, we're going to talk about today, Monday, March 13th, when the depositors were all made whole. Julie, hold on to your seat. I mean, wow.
0: And to be honest, this is just a real... Like We're a leadership podcast, right? And we're here to help train leaders to be able to connect more authentically with others and grow to their potential to be better leaders. So I love that this was such a perfect, high-profile example of looking at how a leader handled situation and where there are opportunities to have done things differently and what that might've looked like and how I can trust others and work together. In late February, yeah, it
1: seemed that multiple of the C-suite removed funds from the bank, the largest one being the CEO Mr. Becker, who took well over $3 million out. Now, people will say some of that was because it was timed up with stock bonuses and this is all fairly normal, but still, it's a big deal, I think, when a CEO is taking out significant funds from the bank. The CEO is in a unique position of power, like any organization, because that power is your gravitational pull for information. So when you start moving and acting where others cannot understand your actions, it becomes opaque and opacity produces anxiety.
0: And opacity is a terrible way to connect with other people because you are not showcasing what's really going on. You're not your true self. You're not being honest. And he, at that moment, really didn't connect with the key stakeholders for everyone from the board, the employees, key customers, other investors, and started to really sort of, you know, retreat and be doing things in secret, which, as we all know, is a terrible way to be a good leader.
1: Yeah. I mean, what an opportunity to just communicate with whether it's the board or employees or key customers, you know, have some conversations. What if even a $10,000 donation to a local park or organization in Silicon Valley regionally as just a way to kind of pay back what was occurring and to start? Changing or sh- shaping the narrative as you'd like, as somebody with not just the power of information, but also the power of funds.
0: And I think the thing is, the CEO in this kind of role is actually really a role model, right? This bank mm-hmm. isn't, you know, a key sort of, there's a lot of spokes in the Silicon Valley wheel from startups to VCs. So him actually taking the action of acting with integrity and showing up as a connected leader help would help him grow to his potential, but also other leaders to be able to see how you can get ahead of something and be honest. So he had the opportunity to show up as kind of a role model, but didn't womp womp, not good. Yeah,
1: womp womp for real. What an opportunity to be a true leader in your industry to your peers of other ceos to just talk about what's happening like be open about it if you didn't earn the 3.8 million dollars then maybe you shouldn't be taking it but if you earned it you should be prepared to talk about it
0: totally totally so what happens between that point end of february to last wednesday when the news broke i didn't even know what svb stood for until about noon on Wednesday?
1: Well, SVB or OPP, you know me, other people's property, personal property, in this case, going out the door. There could have been a lot of factors. There are rumors that maybe there were 10 or 12 venture capitalists that wanted to make a run at the bank and told a whole bunch of their portfolio companies to each pull out a handful of million dollars. So maybe on average, $3 million in cash removed by 50 different companies. You wouldn't think that's enough cash to start becoming a problem for a bank with over 200 billion assets, but cash crunches are real and there's definitely some opaque power out there. Especially at a bank like this, that could have been looking to take down potentially leaders of the bank in particular, if not cause problems, maybe competitive advantages to other companies. There's also some rumors out there that maybe consolidation was trying to be encouraged by the big players in the banking industry, as there already is pretty significant consolidation where about 40% of all banking assets are held by just the six largest banks in the USA. The overall banking sector is about $23 trillion, but 40% of that value is held by 4,476 banks. But six banks hold 60%, almost 15%. Whoa.
0: I did not know that. That's a little terrifying.
1: That's our, uh, you know, our worst MBA in Boston right here, coming through in very short market research. But yeah, it's amazing that consolidation that's already exists. So taking out Silicon Valley Bank, which is one of the highest profile banks in the US, but still only number 16th in total size, though bigger than USAA, a bank that I would say probably has much larger marketing budget, given it has the uh, military connection to the Air Force, and some of the best ratings, customer service ratings. But regardless of all the reasons for why, what happened on Wednesday, March 8th, was a cash crunch occurred. A whole lot of companies went to the bank and asked for their cash. And simply put, the bank did not have the cash to give them. And that's often happens because banks will then reinvest the deposits to make money on the float, on the interest. So the bank doesn't just keep the money under a pillow, the bank puts that money into a new investment and gets paid back. Of course, here, they invested long, longer than three or 12 months. And the companies, their customers, wanted their money short. In this case, now. And that's bad. So the bank didn't have enough yeah. money. So what do you do?
0: What happens when you're out of cash and you're a CEO, Julie? You look under your floorboards. <laughs> God, sound, sounds and like If I'm, you can't I'm, find them under your floorboards or in the purses in your closet, then you be honest and you talk to people. You get the trusted advisors, trusted group that you've had around you, and you let them know what's going on and you create a solution together. You don't just disappear.
1: You don't disappear. I think that's an important piece. But yeah, I mean, where was there the connection Wednesday night? All we know is that there was a phone call to some customers by the CEO saying everything was okay. But where's the communication been since then? There was just a video to staff on Friday, so I mean, do you think that there's maybe an out of body experience here, Julie? What what could have been going on as a CEO, which you are currently? Why would you not be communicating more?
0: I do. I did wonder about the out of body experience because I have always been curious when these people are in these massive. Everything comes to a head in the in the. TV version of the movie the music's getting loud and like the the camera's coming closer like do you just go into kind of an out of body experience like do you just start to feel like you're not connected to the decisions that you're making because i think that would be the only way as a ceo you would make the choice to disappear in the middle of a very hot water session and or you have really crappy comms consulting which also happens because i think what happens is that it can create a bit of a void if you're not telling your own story. It creates a void for your story to be told for you, which I think is exactly what happened in this situation. Mm-hmm. But regardless, you have to reach out to people and you have to just start getting being honest about what's happening. That's not what happened.
1: There was no connection here. The CEO basically has disappeared with a whole bag of money and leaving a huge amount of unknown to customers and employees and you know, the entire United States market at this time. And so all of the reputation that this individual's built over his career, there's now a vacuum where
0: others are telling his story. I know, I'm always so fascinated by that. You know, I always wonder, like, years from now, how will he look back? I mean, obviously, we don't know him. We don't actually really know anything about him except for what we've read. But, you know, will he regret that? Will that be the moment that he wished he could have done something differently? Will he have been living in Nicaragua on his own island, eating papayas all day and not care? Who knows? I don't think he's got island money, but. (laughs) I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, you know more about real estate, but maybe not in Nicaragua than I do. But
1: but yeah, it's just such a missed opportunity to grow to to his potential of empathizing. The ability to publicly empathize is a unique skill that leaders really need to have. Is there a situation, Julie, when recently you felt the need to show some vulnerability and connect with your staff?
0: Uh, I would say that is something I have a strong suit. In fact, I've been counseled to not be quite so vulnerable (laughs) with my staff they don't need to hear everything. Yeah, I think as changes happen and and you grow and you expand and you shrink and people come and go and change and and the clients come and go and change, you always have to really evaluate like what is that sweet spot of information that you need to provide to your team. And more than anything, they just have to know A that you care, B that you have you have all the best interests in creating a sustainable organization. That doesn't mean you have only the employee's interests, it doesn't mean you have only the client's interests, doesn't mean you have only your interests. You have to create that ecosystem of interests. And I think your team has to know that's what you care about. And you have to do that with your actions. So everything in this story from Becker not talking to his staff and his key constituents, his customers, and honestly looking out for himself, I think he just missed the boat on that. I couldn't agree more. And with that, we're going to take a quick break before we get
1: to our third situation. That's Monday morning, but we're going to take a quick break for this brief ad read. And we're back. Our break lines up very well with the weekend. Boom, we come back Monday morning. What happens? The Fed's been talking on a Sunday. Can you believe the federal government employees are working on a Sunday? That means you know stuff's hitting the fan.
0: It's almost St. Patrick's Day. I can't believe they were like willing to do that.
1: Almost St. Patrick's Day. It's a short week. March Madness starts on Tuesday night, and then really gets going on Thursday. Yeah, they they were getting they're working ahead of time, but comes out Monday morning. That now the federal government is going to ensure that all depositors, namely the company Circle, a cryptocurrency exchange that had supposedly $300 million sitting in the bank at SVB, they're the ones that were probably lobbying harder than everybody else combined. But regardless, any company now over 250 k is also going to be able to be made whole yay team, past the FDIC standard depositor insurance levels. So what does this mean, Julie? Do you think that this shows that the government is truly going out in a way to try to connect with individuals better? Is there really an augmenting moment here that we can call out that somebody did well with this bailout?
0: I mean, yes. Thank you, government, for that they i don't know if there really was a choice i'm sure once they weighed the pros and cons of what would happen if they actually did not do this it made more sense but i think outside of just how the government reacted the fact that over between the time of Wednesday and this time of Sunday, there were a lot of groups supporting each other. So, whether that was one group of entrepreneurs supporting another group of entrepreneurs, startups being able to support each other with getting payroll, taking care of people reaching out. I know a lot of businesses were asking their customers to help them by buying ahead or, you know, by like buying gift cards or finding ways to help fill their coffers quickly while they were waiting for this money to come through. So, I think. The fact that a lot of people got together to support each other and take care of each other, whether the government or the banks were the ones to do any kind of help further than that, I thought that was really encouraging.
1: Isn't this the same system that keeps occurring where we're going to privatize all the profits and then socialize the losses? Like, Why should the taxpayers, yes, I know it's not supposedly coming out of a new fund and the banks have already paid insurance into this fund, but we're taking away this special fund to give a cryptocurrency exchange $299 million and $750,000 more. Why are we going to give this cryptocurrency exchange $299,750,000 more than what they were guaranteed by their standard FDIC?
0: I don't understand. Well, apparently we really need crypto, Jimmy. So if we don't have that, I don't know how we are all going to- I mean, can crypto you know, fix my hair? Our lives. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I, that's a much bigger conversation about the value of crypto. Sure. I but, definitely think there were other businesses that really needed that money, but like the wine industry, for example, Jimmy, Wait, sure. what would happen if all of them went bankrupt again?
1: But I guess what I'm hearing from you is you're saying that there's an opportunity that this could help reduce further consolidation, it could stop potentially JP Morgan or Morgan Stanley to come in here and purchase silicon valley bank and make the big already bigger make those big six
0: and really tapped into key emerging technology emerging markets i think they probably would love to have the same to have svb's client list so yeah you could be right i hadn't thought of that theory but i think that could be possible that was part of maybe why all this happened but it's sticking around at least for now.
1: Or it's just just protect the small commercial banks. I do most of my banking with community banks that are primarily still regional. Even until five or 10 years ago, most of these banks weren't even really online all that well. So banking is still very regional and a personal business. And remember, there's over 4,000 banks in the bottom 50% in the assets, as opposed to just the top six taking... 40% 40% of the assets. So could this give a more resilient economy? Does that make it a more resilient economy if we're going to keep banking supposedly fully on capitalism?
0: Jimmy, that's a big question. I don't have an answer. I do no.
1: know. We need a mentor. We need a banking mentor.
0: We need a banking mentor, not just Jed grabbing your phone and looking through your apps to see what banks you, <laughs> use you bank with. <laughs> annual fee. I think more than anything, there is an opportunity for servant leadership in the banking industry. That is what I'm lobbying for because I did not do as well at macroeconomics at Tufts University as you did, but I do know a lot about people and I know that priorities, the banking industry are not their customers and not their clients and not their stakeholders. So is there an opportunity for banks to start to use some of these principles about how they can connect more authentically with others, how they can access the needs of different groups to be able to make decisions and they can work towards, while a very capitalist, but also a more holistic approach to taking care of others. That's what I love before. I love it. I love it. But tell me, why would JP Morgan
1: want to? to change anything they're doing if they made $42 billion, That's with a B for big. $42 billion in 2022 in net operating income. Are they happy? <laughs> you know, you got to buy a pretty big house to stack that much cash under the floorboards.
0: <laughs> or a lot of purses to put it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying. I feel like there is, you know, a bit of a crisis happening with the richest of rich people, obviously, if this guy's on the lamb now, I don't know. I don't know what in- what incentivizes them to want to change or to want to think more broadly. But I think more than anything, I think it's just good questions to be asking, and I think it's good questions to start to pose. Right? There's where Eat Well Global, my company, is a B Corp, and it has been very exciting to see the mm-hmm. you know burgeoning B Corp community of businesses that are working towards creating more of an impact and working towards good. It's not perfect, but that's not what people are looking to do. But And even our previous guest, John Fullerton, I can't remember which episode he was on regenerative economics. And his focus is really on creating systems in the financial markets that bring a regenerative approach that people can absolutely make money. They don't have to make a billion. Like a human doesn't need like a billion dollars. Dollars. Like governments need a billion dollars, but a human does not need a billion dollars. Have you I-M-H-O. ever felt
1: though? It's like, it's like the hand of Thanos, I think, or the glove. Maybe until you feel it, you know, like if you don't know what it is, you can't afford it.
0: Yeah, I feel pretty confident. A human does not need a billion dollars. But yeah, I thought his episode was a really great way to start thinking about this uh, this concept. So it's bubbling up, but it's going to take a long time. Maybe Becker is going to get hit on the head with a coconut in Nicaragua on his island, and he's going to change his mind and decide he wants to be good. And he's going to put on his good cape and come back, save the day.
1: Speaking of coming back, let's summarize. So we see an opportunity in crises like this to really think about how you can better connect with others around you to find leadership positions Among your peers and among key key stakeholders, especially when you yourself are in a powerful position within your company, community, et cetera.
0: Yes, I agree. Number two is when you are faced with a very stressful, potentially catastrophic situation, do not go out of body. Come back, come back into your body and show up for others. Be honest, be vulnerable, and deal with the stress. Get a really good comms person. Jimmy, I cannot stress the importance of that. Get a really good comms person to help you be able to communicate effectively to your stakeholders and be able to tell the truth. That's my second takeaway.
1: You know what happens to bison when a snowstorm is coming?
0: I can't. I couldn't, it would take me at least 10 minutes to come up with an answer to that.
1: When bison see the storm, they don't run away. They run into it.
0: Ooh.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and do you know why? So get
0: yourself a bison. That's what you're trying to say.
1: Yes. It's great to shield the snow, by the way. They're, they're quite massive. But it's because if you're running into the storm, it is less time inside the storm than if you run away from the storm, because then you'll be- That
0: is super profound. And I actually had, I have a lucky bison that has traveled with me many, many places. And I had not known that about bison. So thank you for that fun fact.
1: Great. Bison, I think, are like the tokens for communications consultants. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's how you all are connected.
0: That's beautiful. All right. The third takeaway is when all the shit hits the fan, I think we can swear on this. Basically, you got to show up for each other and take care of each other and not wait for somebody to come bail you out, which did end up happening. But at the same time, you got to just try to show up for others when circumstances put you in a tough position. Don't be a lone bison. Don't be a lone bison, running groups. Running groups, I think that was our last takeaway. So overall, I'd say, I don't think this is the last of the topsy-turvy banking moments that we're gonna see for a little bit. So I say, buckle your seatbelt, make sure you have your group connect with others and leaders, don't run away. Stick around. Don't run away.
1: And if you're in the banking industry, or you work with a lot of banks, and you want to learn how to more authentically connect with others, and therefore grow to your potential, listen to some older episodes, recent episodes of Augmenters, a HubSpot Podcast Network podcast, and check out our YouTube channel at Augmenters HQ. Those are all excellent tips.
0: (laughs) This was fun. This was fun, Jimmy. Augmenters out. Wow, you've made it this far and we thank you hopefully you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships want to tell them more jimmy
1: be an augmenter with us visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us share our podcast with someone you care about like and subscribe and yes really you following our show and writing a review it's a big deal your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email hi at augmenters.us or on social with our handle at augmentershq. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. Shout out and earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters out.
0: See you. Thank you.